reading that we heard from the book of Isaiah just a few moments ago. God is the great restorer. I want to tell you a story this morning. It is the tale of three chairs. I have one now here. Here we go. A tale of three chairs. This is a true story, and it's actually made a really big impression on me when this happened. Um, a lot of the stuff in our house at home is what um, we may call pre-loved. Um, I, I like that so much better than the word second-hand. It's come into usage just recently, and I rather like that. So we've got a lot of pre-loved stuff. I really enjoy going in and having a, a good rummage around second-hand shops and charity shops, and just, just seeing if there's anything that... Um, um, I could, but something that nobody wants anymore, but that I could just give a new lease of life to and bring it home and have a, a place in our home. Um, so when Tony and I were first married, um, I was looking for a couple of stick-back chairs, like this one, uh, for, just for our kitchen, just really simple stuff. Um, so I took myself off, we lived in Bristol, off I went down the Gloucester Road where there were lots of second-hand shops in those days anyway. And I had a good rummage through all of them. I went from one to another to another to another, and I just could not find what I was looking for. Eventually, I went into one, and I was getting pretty tired by this time. I was nearly ready to give up. Um, I looked all around the ground floor, and there was nothing to be found. But I noticed over to one side, there was um, the entrance to a staircase going down into a basement. And it didn't say staff only, or no admittance, or keep out, or anything like that. So, partly because I was a bit tired, I thought, oh, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. I've come this far, I'm going to look a bit further. So I ventured off down this rickety old wooden staircase, and it didn't creak as I went down it. It was quite, quite dark and gloomy down there, and I, I began to wonder what might possibly be scurrying around a little bit in the corners somewhere. But anyway, I kept going. Uh, there was piles of furniture down there, um, pretty um, tatty stuff, certainly stuff that nobody wanted anymore. Um, but there was a pile of furniture just over um, in to my right that still had the tickets from the sale room on it, um, and waiting to be sorted out. And right at the bottom of that pile, it truly was just all tipped one thing on top of another, little tables and chairs and all sorts. Right at the bottom of the pile, could see exactly what I was looking for. It was treasure. Oh, so I had renewed energy and I heaved all these chairs and little tables and whatever else there was off the top of the pile till I got to the bottom and I pulled out two stick back chairs, which was just what I wanted for the kitchen. Um, they were horrible. This is obviously one of them and it's, um, it's in need of a bit more TLC now. But at the time when I found it, um, the top, uh, the, the, the back and the seat were painted a sort of lurid, bluey, purpley colour, such as I cannot see in this room. It's an amazing colour. Um, and it was also um, dirty and scratched and chipped and pitted and in a really bad way. And the legs and the bits at the bottom here were painted white and they were all dirty and chipped and stuff. It needed a good clean, it needed good sand down and it needed repainting. Um, it was just what I wanted. So I bought them, and we didn't drive, uh, so had to have them delivered by the shop. Um, they duly arrived, and I was able to give them a new lease of life, which I thoroughly enjoyed doing, and they've had a place in our home ever since. They were unloved and unwanted, but a bit of restoration gave, it, gave them a place and a new home. <coughs> but when the guy from the shop delivered the, the chairs to our house, it was, they were on the back of a, like an open trailer thingy. 
and there was another chair on the back that he was taking to somebody else that was an old Victorian chair. It was, it was dark wood, I don't know if it was mahogany or what it was, but it was chipped and scratched and in a really bad way battered. And it had once been covered with beautiful red upholstery, you know, the sort with studs all down the side. It had been lovely, uh, but it was, it was um, definitely no longer wanted. It was well past its, its use-by date, except that. When I, I went out um, with a guy to, to, to the trailer, I looked at it and the first thing I saw, the words that came out of my mouth was, oh, what a beautiful chair. Because I could see this old chair that nobody loved anymore, nobody wanted, and I could see what it could be in the hands of a restorer. I did not have the skills to, to undertake anything like that, but somebody obviously did. And I could see what it could become. What a beautiful chair. And the, the chap who was uh, doing the deliveries smiled and nodded. He said, yeah, isn't it? And he began to describe what the, the new owner was, was going to do. And that just set me thinking about how our God is the great restorer. He looks at us and he doesn't see, kind of, or he doesn't just see, um, the things that we've messed up on, the, 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 the wrong turnings we've, we've taken, the ways that we have perhaps become less than he made us to be. What he does is he looks at us <coughs> and because of all that Jesus has done for us in his life, his death and resurrection, God looks at you and me and he sees what he wants to restore us to. He sees all our potential. He wants to pick up those of us who might feel like we are at the bottom of the heap and nobody wants us anymore perhaps and we're really not any use for, for anything, neither purpose nor, nor ornament. But God sees us, perhaps at the bottom of the heap, maybe feeling a bit invisible sometimes to the rest of the world. God sees us and nothing is going to stop him from pulling us out and doing his work of restoration in our lives. That's not just applying to you and me, it applies ultimately to everything that God has made. That's what those wonderful words from the book of Isaiah were all about just a moment ago. Our God is in the restoration business. So in the fullness of time, along comes John the Baptist, and we heard about him just now. John is in prison and he is beginning to think, oh, I don't know, maybe, did I get it right? Is Jesus really the one who, is, who, who we're waiting for? Is he God's man, God's anointed one? He sends messengers to, to Jesus and says, are, are you really the one? Is it you? <clears throat> Jesus reassures him. And he says, look at what I'm doing. Look at what's happening. And he, he refers back to this passage in Isaiah. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. All of those things Jesus was already doing. So look, says Jesus, believe the evidence of your own eyes. You know, John, what Isaiah said. Look, it's happening. It's happening. It's not just about words. It's about deeds. It's about true restoration. 
Jesus goes on to say, John is the last of the great Old Testament prophets who were all pointing ahead towards the coming of the Messiah, God's anointed one who would bring God's purposes about. John is the last of those great prophets, is effectively what Jesus is saying. But now, now, the time has come at last. Jesus says that he has come to usher in the kingdom of God, to bring about God's purposes, his ancient purposes of restoring all that he has made. The promise, at last, is beginning to come to be reality. Now this is not just theory, because there is a way this morning that you and I can enter anew into that reality of restoration. In a few moments, Sue will be inviting those of us who are able to get up out of our seats and to come forward to share bread and wine together. This is not just about the bare remembering of the fact that Jesus once died and rose again. I am not a Greek scholar, but I'm told that the word for remember that is used when Jesus talks about breaking bread and sharing wine, to remember him, that word is anamnesis. And it doesn't just mean a bare remembering of a past event, it's a richer word than that, and we, we don't quite have an, an equivalent English word. But it signifies three things. We are entering anew into all that the bread and wine represent. Now, if we've said yes to the Lord Jesus at some point in our lives, then we're not being reconverted, as it were. But there is a sense in which, yes, we are remembering the past event when Jesus died for us and rose again. But we are also entering anew into the reality of everything that that signifies. So we are, um, as it were, renewing our commitment to him. As we receive the bread and wine, Jesus is saying, look, this is how much I love you. And we are saying afresh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. The nearest equivalent that perhaps we have in, in our everyday lives today is when a couple decide to renew their wedding vows. They're not kind of getting married all over again. But they're not just remembering their wedding day, they're entering anew into all that that signifies. A little bit like what's happening when we come and receive the bread and wine. So we're remembering the past event, we are saying yes to Jesus afresh, and we're also looking forward. We're looking forward to when the, the, the great work of restoration that God has undertaken comes into its fullest expression. We're looking forward, remembering we're sharing bread and wine, we're looking forward to the great wedding feast that will happen in heaven. When Jesus comes to reclaim, or, or to claim, his bride, the church, that's everyone who has put their trust in the Lord Jesus throughout all of time. 
when he comes to claim his bride. There is going to be the most glorious heavenly feast. And we have a little foretaste of it as we break bread and share wine this morning. We're looking forward to the great wedding feast of the Lamb, as the Bible calls it. My goodness, what a day that will be. I once was on retreat in a lovely um, country house and had to um, wait outside before one particular meal was ready. I was kind of in the corridor, walking up and down. Um, I could see through into the dining room where um, everything was spread out. It was beautifully done. And it was like a feast was spread before us. Now, I had been thinking about these things. I had been thinking about heaven. And this was just like a picture for me. It was like, a, you know, I'm, at the moment I'm in the corridor, I'm in the waiting room, as it were, but I keep catching glimpses through the window of that great feast that's in front of us. That's what lies ahead of us, church. That great wedding feast of the Lamb. When we went, uh, the bell rang, when the, when the right time came, a bell rang, and in we went to, to the dining hall. And there was a place with each person's name at the table. There was a place for everyone. At Jesus' great wedding feast, when the time comes, there is a place with your name on it. If you are someone who loves him already, it's our choice, isn't it? But there's a place with your name on it. And today, as we gather round his table here, it's just a little foretaste of all that is to come. Because our God... <coughs> has a great restoration undertaking that is underway. Perhaps I just, just could ever so quickly say, all that that means is that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. When Jesus died and rose again, he took the penalty himself. We are being saved from the power of sin as the Holy Spirit comes to renew our commitment to the Lord Jesus helps us to live in a Jesus sort of way in the here and now. But one day, one day, we shall be saved from the very presence of sin and it will trouble us no more as God completes his great work of restoration. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. We will be saved from the very... Um, presence of sin. As we gather around the Lord's table, that's what we're looking forward to. God keeps his promises. And as Florence reminded us this morning, God will not betray us. Even so, come Lord Jesus.